Hello and welcome again to another Encounter Study. Um, I am joined by my dog, Leo, who has found an old shoe, and you would think he has found um, the greatest dinner ever, so I'm hoping he doesn't sound too loud. Uh, today I'm just going to jump into this pretty quick because I want to use the clip that we have uh, of the interview I did with Reverend Derek Jacks, uh, and that's about an 18-minute long clip. So I don't want to take up a whole lot of your time. I will make one announcement again. The uh, day in the park is not going to happen. So day not in the park. Uh, so remember that. All right. So this is going to be for October 3rd, Sunday, October 3rd. It's going to be Exodus 3, the burning bush, our prayer for illumination. God, you speak in so many ways. You spoke to Moses in the burning bush, to Elijah through a still small voice, and to Job through the whirlwind. Please speak to us today through your written word as we study together. Help us to hear your word and reveal yourself and your desires for us. Amen. And so our introduction, uh, Reverend Derek says, hey, look at the Bible Project's video for uh, Exodus 1 through 18. I encourage you to do that again uh, when you can, if you can. Um, but the discussion question, I think, is pretty good. And it goes by to kind of what we just prayed about in our prayer of illumination. Ah, and our memory verse. Exodus 3.14, God said to Moses, I am who I am. He said further, thus you shall say to the Israelites, I am has sent me to you. All right, that will come in play uh, when we talk about New Testament, when Jesus Christ says, before Abraham was, I am. Um, but anyway, the discussion question, have you heard the voice of God in your life? How do you know it was God speaking? How did you respond? How does God call people into his service? Why do you think God finds it important to call people into discipleship? Um, I'm not going to hit on every single one of those questions, but um, I did uh, ask a Sunday school class today, have they ever heard the voice of God? And had various answers. Some people said, yeah, I heard a voice. Other people say, no, I didn't hear a voice. And, and then we discussed, how do you know that it's God? And uh, One example for me was just when I was converted, uh, the preacher read Hebrews 11, 1, and two, you know, faith is the evidence of things not seen, the substance of that which is hoped for. And it was just as if my whole life changed, my whole outlook, everything flipped, 180 degrees. And that was an experience, right? I don't know if that was God speaking, but I do think that the word proclaimed or read uh, is the voice of God. And so uh, one of the memes I saw on Facebook was, you know, there was a guy driving a car and somebody in the back of the car. And it's, you know, kind of a scene where he looks back and says, I want to hear God speaking. And the person in the back says, read your Bible. And then the guy driving, next scene is, no, I want to hear God speaking to me audibly. And the person in the back says, then read the Bible out loud. Uh, and I liked what it meant because it means we do have the direct word of God revealed, uh, given to us. And every time we read it, we're reading the very word of God. But other things that we talked about was is that you can see God through visions. God uses visions oftentimes to talk to talk to us. The other ways that he speaks to us is through um, worship, awe, if you will, uh, fellowship of the church, through preachers preaching, through our devotion times, uh, prayer, all of these things. And then the last thing uh, Reverend Derek brings up is that whoever God calls, God also provides for. God is faithful to whom God calls. All right, so then that leads us to the um, exploring the scripture, historical setting. Uh, I like the way Derek brought this up. 
It seems to me, and I've always thought, it's kind of crazy that Joseph could rise and save the Egyptians and then 400 years later or so be completely forgotten. Um, up until, uh, I, I used to do a lot of work with uh, people coming out of the halfway house, and I was helping this one guy, I picked him up from the halfway house to take him to work, and it was around Christmas time, you know, a little bit after Thanksgiving. We were passing by, and one of the houses had the big display, you know, the Christmas display, the nativity, and... Um, he said, what's that? And he pointed, and I was like, what's what? I don't know that. And I was like, well, it's a house. What, what do you mean? What is that? And he said, not the house, the, the thing, the designs, right? He had never seen, um, he was from New York, uh, and he had never seen a nativity display, um, especially in a house. Of course, he associated Christmas with, you know, all the things we do, Christmas trees and ornaments and presents and all these things. But it's completely divorced, and he did not know the, the scripture story. And to him, Jesus was literally somebody's name. He had no clue. And so, and I thought, uh, that's how you can forget, right? So I no longer worry about how the Egyptians forgot about Joseph because it's easy to forget uh, when culture shifts and, and people don't care and politics shifts. It's just really easy to forget about anything, really. You can, you can do away with history. All right, so... Um, now, the other thing that uh, Reverend Derek brings up is the, the quick story when, you know, Moses grows up in Pharaoh's house, and, you know, but he's aware. He's got to be aware he's not Egyptian. And so, um, anyway, he's walking one day, and he happens by an Egyptian soldier, you know, beating up a Hebrew slave. And Moses, I guess, fills his wheats, you know, his wheaties, and... Um, decides that he was going to kill the Roman or the Egyptian soldier. Uh, and of course, he very quickly says, I might not have been the best idea. And so he fled before he could get arrested or killed or whatnot. And so then he's out in the desert. You know, he carries on with life and he thinks his Egyptian uh, roots are behind him. He'll never go back there. Uh, but then he approaches this burning bush uh, and then has this conversation. Um... Here's the cool part. I think it was Reverend Bud Russell who brought this up to me one time. And he said, all throughout the Bible, human dreams have to die so that God's dream can take root in the heart and life of the believer or the one who is called. And, you know, it sounded okay at first, but then I went back and looked, right? First, you have Jesus saying, you know, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground, it remains a single seed. But if it dies, it multiplies. And so then I thought about things like, you know, Abraham. In some sense, when he sacrificed Isaac or was tempted to sacrifice Isaac, that was the death of a human dream. He had to give that up to get what God, um, God desired. When we talk about uh, Joseph, Joseph, you know, at the very beginning of the story, he was very, um, he was very proud, proud, you would say, right? And he's saying, oh, listen to my dreams. Y'all are going to serve me, these kinds of things. His dream had to die. God's dream had to take root. Right, and Moses then is the exact same story. Uh, Moses tried to take matters into his own hands, but then finally, um, throughout the wilderness wanderings, God got his attention and said, "Here's the real dream. Here's the real, um, here's the real plan." Right. So, all right. Next, we're going to go into the digging deeper section. Uh, we pick it up at the burning bush. Moses is approaching this site that he he sees that themes is unfamiliar and all this stuff and. He's like, ah, oh, this, a bush that burns but is not consumed. What could this be? 
As he's approaching, God says, take off your shoes for the place you're standing is in holy ground. It is holy ground. Um, and then Derek brings up in the bottom paragraph of page 28 that uh, just like Jacob realized he was on holy ground and, and he said the Lord is in this place, so Moses um, does the same thing. He writes, no matter where God's people are, God is there with them. And I think that's true. So any place can be a... Um, any place can be um, a holy place. I mean, there's times I've ministered in a prison, and I've had holy moments, and I know those were God's holy. That was God's holy place. Um, flip side of that is uh, one of the new trends in urban renewal is buying old churches and turning them into nightclubs. You know, with all the nightclub things that go on, and so anything can be holy anything can be uh, profane it just depends on how it's treated and the attitude by which you come to it and so anyway any place is holy also in this uh, digging deeper section Derek brings up three points one is that God hears the prayer of his people two God answers their prayers and three God provides both for God's people and also for the one that God calls to do God's work so um, first if you go to page 29, second paragraph, uh, you'll see those three, um, three things. Uh, so first, that God hears the groaning of God's people. Uh, and then Derek brings up even our time right now with COVID. And he writes in that third paragraph, Countless individuals, maybe even you, have pleaded to God for relief and healing. We have cried out faithfully to the Lord God, and perhaps we have felt he has not heard us. This passage assures us that God hears his people's prayers. The only problem we have to resolve is our own patience. God answers prayers in his own time and for his own glory. And I think that's that's pretty true. Like the uh, Hebrews were slaves for 400 years. Um, and people were waiting on the Messiah for a very long time. And we've been waiting on the return of Christ for a very long time. And, and everything is on God's providential care and timing. But God hears. We are not left alone. We are not forsaken. We are not despite what the in spite of or despite what the circumstances around us are god still cares deeply about us so second um is that uh, god answers the prayers of his people in the time of the exodus it was the liberation of the hebrews from slavery into the promised land and in so doing moses becomes a christ or uh, is a christ figure or a type of christ we talked about types before if you use typology uh, to understand what happens in the new testament you have uh, moses liberating people from slavery in the new testament you have in the gospel of john john looking at jesus christ saying behold the lamb of god who takes away the sin of the world and then um, john uses the passover as a background and he in the crucifixion narrative um, makes Jesus a paschal lamb. And of course, that's what we have in the Exodus, the lamb that uh, the Hebrew people slaughter and put blood on the doorpost. In that final plague, God passes over uh, the Egyptian households and punishes with the death of the firstborn uh, in Egypt. And so you can see this as a spiritual, a physical that turns into a spiritual thing. I wanted to briefly talk real quick about uh, the Exodus is the basis of what we would call liberation theology, that God hears the slaves, breaks the oppressor, and brings out the slaves. Look, there's a reason why liberation theology came into an existence. It was applying itself to a need, especially uh, in South America where there was 
poverty and the church wasn't doing what the church should do and the government was oppressing the people. And so you have this movement of liberation theology. Here's what I would say to that. Um, you don't have to let go of one to hold on to the other, right? God liberates physically and spiritually. You don't have to say he, he, he doesn't do either. Uh, God is very much caring about, sorry, my dog is really loving this, this shoe. You don't have to give up this whole thought of, of Jesus is completely concerned about the uh, physical aspect of your life. You don't have to give up the fact that there is a, a sense in which we all as individuals have, have been enslaved by sin. Um, both are true, right? And so liberation theology is an aspect of a theology. And so is like our evangelical Jesus Christ died for your sins and you're freed from slavery and brought into the promised land, right, of heaven and victory over sin, these kinds of things. Just remember that you don't have to let go of the one to hold on to the other. That's all I'm going to say about that. And then the third lesson is, is that we learn that God provides, both for the people that God calls as groups, like the Hebrews into the promised land, or people, you know, sinners who become saints. God provides for us always. But God also provides for the prophets and for the preachers and these these people. Um, uh, one of the good one, good uh, questions you could ask is, describe a time when you resisted God's calling in your life, right? Because that's what Moses tried to do. He tried to work his way out of it because, ah, this ain't for me. Somebody else can do this, surely. Um, all right, going to the learning from the scripture section really quick. Um, there's about five things that I saw that Derek brings up in this lesson or in this part of the lesson. Number one, we're to be obedient, right? Um, if God calls, we go. Like, even if it looks completely terrible, I think maybe one of the reasons why our churches suffer a little bit is because we've got a small imagination. We are, we are, we can't do this because we're too small. We don't have enough money. We don't have these things. And I think, no, be obedient. God can do some great things. I've said God honors an honest effort. Um, the second thing Reverend Derek brings up is that we should proclaim freedom for the captive, sight to the blind, healing for the sick, and to let the oppressed go free. It sounds... Uh, you know, just like uh, Jesus said uh, when he said, you know, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing, that we, as the servants of God, continue in the ministry of Jesus Christ. Third thing is, Jesus Christ, and I said this before, in John eight fifty eight identifies as the I am, the God who broke the oppressors and then brought forth the, the people, the Hebrews, into the promised land. Christ identifies with this God. And then the second thing is we become the body of Christ. So we carry on that ministry uh, in line with Jesus Christ, in line with God the Father, who did this back in the Exodus. Fourth, Jesus frees those who are captive to sin again. While in the Exodus we see an, an oppressive system abolished, in Jesus Christ we do see that there is a sense in which we are free from the systems of evil of, of sin, a spiritual sin. Uh, again, the Gospel of John goes over and beyond trying to equate Jesus Christ with the Paschal Lamb and does so spiritually, not you know physically. Obviously, Jesus didn't break the rod of the Romans. He broke the rod of the devil, which was sin and death. Leo says that's good, man. All right. And then number five, when God calls, God is expecting obedience and faithfulness. God is not expecting uh, competencies at first, for sure, and neither is he expecting perfection. God simply calls people to do the work, 
and so we go on. Um, good quote or good reflection question. God does not call, call the qualified. God qualifies the call, called. Um, ask that, and then ask your Sunday school class how they how they have responded or how they shirked their responsibility. And then finally, our applying the scripture section. I'm just going to go over some of these uh, some of these questions. In what ways has God provided for you to serve in obedience? Um, again, I think I've said this before. I made a lot more money when I was a restaurant manager. And when I first went to the Margaret Hank Church, I wasn't ordained. And so they, they said, we'll give you X amount of money. And then once you're ordained, we'll get it a little bit. Anyway, it took me about six or seven years. And, well, no, I still haven't. Now I'm working for the denomination. I still don't make as much money as I did when I was 25 years old. But that's okay. God has provided in, in physical and, and financial ways so that I can do the job God's called me to do. Second, how has God answered your prayers or the prayers of those closest to you? Um, Mental assurance, emotional assurance, physical assurance, and he's provided me a family that I never thought I'd have. So there you go. Um, I'm going to skip three. Number four, what excuses have you made to justify your own disobedience and why do we make these excuses? We make them because we're humans. And again, I am firmly in the camp of, I believe in original sin slash total depravity, whatever, however you want to, people are terrible. And then we want to justify ourselves, just as Adam and Eve did in the garden and everybody else that's ever lived. Uh, when a little kid first lies to their parents, it was, it's what we do. <laughs> and I hate it. And then number five, um, how does the church you are a member of encourage you to answer God's call to obedience? How can you encourage others to answer the call? And there's just so many opportunities. Like, you know, right now I'm doing an interim thing. Praise the Lord, I think we found somebody at the New Hope Cumberland Presbyterian Church. But um, I've been busy. I'm busy. I'm as busy as everybody else. But there was a need, so you fulfill the need. Uh, If the church has a need, you're not doing nothing. Fill it. And it might cost you a little bit. But fulfill it because that's what you're called to do. and, And God will provide for you, as our lesson says today. All right, so I'm going to let this video play. Like I said, it's about a 16, 17, 18-minute clip, but uh, I think it's worth it. So um, I'm going to flip this on. That's a good lesson, too. Now, we switch a little bit. So we, we got the patriarchs, and now we turn to Moses and the burning bush specifically. And in the rest of this quarter, there's... Um, Moses, Elijah, Samuel um, are the following story, and they all hear a voice, right? They all have a time of, of receiving or hearing God's voice, and at least in this lesson, this one specifically, is you hear God's, or Moses hears God's voice in this most unexpected way. Um, not just this little thing, but he sees this burning bush, which obviously is unexpected, and it makes him, you know, have to reevaluate things, and so... Um, Anyway, uh, he responds in obedience to this voice after a little bit of arm twisting. But nonetheless, uh, this will be lesson five, the burning bush. Give us your your thoughts on that one. Yeah, the uh, voice of God. I've I've often said, and I think I said it in a ser- in a sermon a couple weeks ago, how we wish that we would hear that audible voice, right? Um, Moses got to hear it and got to see it. Um, but how many times do we in our lives wish that God would be there like, hey, hey, Chris, you need to, you need to do this. Yeah. 
No, I know I've, I've wished that, I, you know, I've wanted, Hey, Derek, this is what you need to do. Um, they're just, but we don't get it. Um, so how do, how then do we, how then do we move? Um, and I think as, as we hear these stories, as you mentioned, the, 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 the stories that are coming about the voice of God, that's being, being spoken to, to these prophets and to these, uh, to these individuals, um, you know, the question for me comes back to, well, then how do I hear God's voice? You know, and, and I think of, I wish I could say that I've had that audible, Derek, you need to go do this. And I, I've not had that in my life, but what I have had have been people um, who, who have said, Hey, this is where you need to be and this is where you need to go and um i sit and i think about all of those people from when i was a child in sunday school and i hear miss rita's voice uh who was teaching me with the felt board uh with all the bible characters teaching me those bible stories teaching me about moses and the burning bush right she had her her felt board and she would put the burning bush up. you know and I sit and I think you know though I may not hear the actual voice of God telling me to do something I do have Miss Rita I do have my mom I do have my grandmother I have my best friend I have my youth pastor um I, you know I have a professor seminary professor um I have an elder, you know, some, you know, you know, I have my children, I have my wife who, who we can hear the voice of God in. Um, and that's a very important thing is being able to discern the voice of God in the mouths of those people. And so how do we discern the voice of God um, in the lives of those people? Well, that's where we come back to the story. That's where we come back to the scripture. And, you know, I'm one to believe that if God, you know, when God speaks, it's not going to be contrary to what we have in the text. You know, God, God's not going to tell us to, to do something in Philippians and then uh, 500 years later say, well, don't worry about Philippians, right? You know, what, what, he's, what he's given us in the text uh, in the scripture is not going to be contradicted, you know, as far as what God's called us to do. And so we then have to focus our attention kind of Kind of where where Moses had to go, right? You know, and his humility. I I, I know there was fear. I, I would like to think I, I think there was fear when he was told to to go, but his response was was one that I think was very genuine to say, I don't know what I'm supposed to do or say. You know, I'm not very good with this. And what does God do? Does God does God scold him for that? Um, I don't think he scolds him for it. He provides, you know, God provides a voice. He provides uh, someone that'll be with him. And, and so when we see that, I think it helps us in those times in our lives that when, whenever we are led to, to wherever God's called us to go, you know, God gives us voices of confirmation around us. And so how do we listen um, and how do we know what God's calling us and how do we know when to respond? And then how do we respond? You know, it's, 
it's so crucial, I think, for us all. I've needed those voices in my life, or else I don't know where I would be right now. I'm going to have you put a pin there because I think that comes up big time in lesson seven, and, uh, and I think we can expand that a little bit more. But you said some things also that I think leads to uh, just next lesson, lesson six, when we talk about the manna from heaven. Um, if I remember correctly, I was trying to look up. I might be wrong, but I, I don't think so. I think manna basically it was a Hebrew phrase for what. You know. All right, so I am going to um, leave it there. And thank you again for all that uh, y'all do. And um, preach with power and with grace, teach with wisdom and, and grace, and, and let's do everything for the glory of God this week.